This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Music Venue Trust. The Music Venue Trust is a UK registered charity which acts to protect, secure and improve grassroots music venues. The Music Venue Trust works to gain recognition of the essential role these venues fulfil, not only for artist development, but also for the cultural and music industries, the economy and local communities. They aim to preserve and improve venues, making them more efficient and improving the experience of performers and audiences. During the COVID crisis, Music Venue Trust mobilised music lovers to support the Save Our Venues campaign, raising over £5 million to support grassroots music venues and prevent closures. They worked hard to try and ensure that venues would survive and be ready to reopen when public health guidelines permitted. Now that some venues are able to reopen, Music Venue Trust is working to revive live, but that does not mean that all venues are financially secure. The next few months will continue to be challenging for everyone, and they will continue to fundraise for the venue support services Music Venue Trust offers especially for those venues in need of the GMV crisis service. There are some exciting Save Our Venues projects still being worked on, so please do support where you can. Visit www.saveourvenues.co.uk to donate and do your part. and welcome to another episode of We Didn't Know How Good We Had It and this week, again, I'm really happy to be joined by Ash from Sugar Horse. Ash, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you for asking. No, it's, it's, it's good to have you here. How, how have you been? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Since good. we briefly chatted last I've, week. I've spent the whole day inside the house, which is like my my exact fetish. Nice. I think it's one of those things that if you if you're quite, you know, in your own space and you like doing it that whole this whole last year has been great for it but if you're quite outgoing which you've just admitted that you're not then this last year has not been so great I guess yeah I I mean I don't want to rub it into anyone that's not had a good time for the last um the last year or so but I have had a wonderful time I'm glad somebody has at least Mm. I'll tick the box on that one there but (laughs) genuinely how have you been what have you been up to uh music wise life wise anything anything to report I think there's a little something but we can get into that but yeah (laughs) loads I mean last year uh, we were still in lockdown then weren't we Mm -hmm. we put out like an EP called Drugs and then a cut and then a couple mad standalone singles and then this year uh we signed to small pond records congratulations thank you very much um yeah and we just put out um the first single and announced debut album fat dracula is it fat dracula yeah it's uh it's very short i i know (laughs) i know it's a single it's a single i know i I like to think that I did it on purpose, but de- <laughs> definitely not. No, it's a it's quite furious sounding as well. I know, like for for the uninitiated, you guys are pretty full on and soundscapey, and and the volume is well up there, and it's and it's put together so well. But this is like proper punk, if you don't mind me saying. Like it's got oh. proper. Like they said, it's short in comparison, I guess, to uh, a lot of the stuff that you're you're used to putting out, but. Um, yeah, it hits hard and it hits fast. Well, we like... Um, so I think music is most, most interesting when it's kind of within a certain constraint. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, 
kind of rules that you stick to the entire time. But then it gets interesting when you're kind of finding a way to stay within the rules, but kind of go outside them as well. Mm. So we like, like the whole, like every song on the record sounds like a different band, I think. They <laughs> <laughs> release it with, got... with 10 other record labels, each one having a track each. Yeah, yeah. We'll which get Def got... Jam on one of them. <laughs> It's got to be it's got to be hell on earth to try and um, promote it, but yeah, I I like it, and that's all that matters. That is, yeah, that is all that matters. Yeah, you put put out what you love. That's the point. And if people hate it, tough. It's Ooh. out there now, and there's nothing they can do about it. Um, I mean, obviously, you talk about signing to Small Pond as well, and Art and Catharsis over in Australia. Yes, indeed. Um, that's a that's a, a big thing. Did you ever? I, I know it's a bit of a strange question. But did you ever imagine having something? like that on the, on the cards, like releasing a record and getting it literally the other side of the world? Um, the other side of the world, no, that was, uh, that was unexpected very much. I think um, we wanted to do it after the last EP purely because we found out how much money you lose by releasing yeah. a record <laughs> um, yourself. So uh, I don't, we were kind of, we were trying to make something along these lines happen, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's been cool. I didn't think we would um, we would get a record label this cool. Mm-hmm. So um, how did how did that come about? If you don't mind me asking, is that a small pond thing as well, or is it just something that sort of naturally occurred for you guys? It's it's been it's been weird actually because obviously none of us could meet. It was kind of the tail end of last year, so we recorded the album. Um, at the end of October last year mm-hmm. and then we got back from Leeds where we recorded it and Bristol went straight into tier, I forget what the tier systems are now, 12? Tier Some 3 yeah. the, one, the one where you can't do fuck all Yeah, there's no, um, no, no eye contact no, yeah, don't leave yeah. your house for you know, the, the gas will turn you inside out or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is that's going on Yeah, exactly um, yeah, so we got we got back from that and went straight back straight into tier three, so I couldn't go to work anymore, and then straight into lockdown after that at the end of the year. So we were all kind of stuck there, and um, yeah, Vlad from Small Pond just like got in got in contact um, via email, and then we emailed loads and um, made each other laugh a lot, <laughs> and um, I kind of just so happened to like finish i think i finished mixing like two two tracks on the album i think what was it like emailing vlad back and forth then um yeah it was it was weird we kind of like made each other laugh a bit and then spoke for a long time and then i kind of had two tracks semi-mixed and ready to go Mm -hmm. um and i kind of just chucked them across to the arsenal we had anything like um, plans and then it kind of just snowballed and plan ended up deciding to release a record on them and then we hadn't even met them until like last weekend <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it's kind of weird like you kind of because i've got a lot of like shitty unfunny friends <laughs> so <laughs> I was, yeah I was this suspicion in the back of my mind that it was all some kind of a someone setting you up like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I met them, and it's real. Um, <laughs> and the single actually came out, so yeah. Which let's let's talk about the singles. You sent me the video um, last Thursday, I think it was in mm. no last Wednesday, sorry, in the morning. 
And uh, I was sat in bed watching it going, that's when I said like this hit hard and it hit fast and it, it made me get out of bed. It was one of those, I was like, <laughs> I gotta go and do something now. But yeah, um, who was uh, who was Balaclava Man in that video? For those of you who haven't seen it, there's a, a rampant Balaclava Man <laughs> through the majority of the video. Was it any uh, of you guys uh, or was it a friend? Uh, that's, that is a secret. Okay, we'll keep that it that way can then. can never be revealed. Unless you watch the last episode of Line of Duty. Yeah, yeah, it gets revealed there. <laughs> yeah. Watch the whole series and you'll finally get there. Just make sure you watch the music video after every episode because there are spoilers. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so, I mean, we were supposed to record this last week, if you don't mind me saying, obviously. Oh, and uh, I think it was, I think it was Slipknot that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that got in touch with you, or at least their festival to do. I think it's a sub- subsidiary of. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's quite the sentence there. But I mean, you, I think the, the chat we had before. For anyone listening, we always have a bit of a chat before, mainly because me and Ash had never met each other, um, and this is the first time I've seen him on the other side of the screen since last week i guess i'm um, in exactly the same place as well yeah yeah i was gonna say it felt like deja vu i'm like have i just missed completely missed a week of my life basically but um yeah we were chatting ash had the decency to jump on and tell me that uh not fest had released a single out and uh he was doing some press for it so how was how was that interview uh quite late in the evening i guess because of the time so was, but yeah you've got yeah. a you've got a little story that was that was kind of weird like there was kind of a mix-up with the time zones, and mm. it was on Twitch, which I'd never used before, so I didn't really know. <laughs> Only the fun. kids use Twitch. And you play Fortnite yeah, or something. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just like gamers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Lame bastards. But, yeah, so I didn't... You're supposed to get, like, a secret link mm. to the to get into the interview or whatever. I didn't... hadn't got that with, like, 10 minutes to go before the interview, so I was kind of shitting myself. And then... um like finally got it through and was like cool got it through immediately clicked not thinking like i should probably click at the time i'm supposed to, supposed do to be on there yeah uh, l- luckily it just went to like this like green room thing but there was like four squares imagine like celebrity squares <laughs> yeah and i'm in the t- i'm in the top left and then there's a producer dude Wait, were you sat in your kitchen as well yeah, I was sat in this exact position in this kitchen in Knoll West being interviewed by someone <laughs> in fucking LA. I think she's in Canada or somewhere. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like the, produ- the producer dude was next to me. He was very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, bottom left was Alicia, who was doing the interviews. And I was greeted by the screaming cartoon face of one of the members of Guar, which Amazing. which was unexpected, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty terrifying. And Is I that what you thought when you saw me for the first time though? So have I gone on with Guar? <laughs> <laughs> I know you said that you were like, you, you don't look anything like I thought thought you would. And I was like, no. I'm not sure how to take that to be honest. So I took it as a well, compliment. Well, he, uh, so Rich has the exact same voice as my friend Pete Reisner. So, and I've listened to a couple episodes of the podcast already. Big fan, mate. Big Thank fan. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so, you're not on this for your own pleasure, though? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm doing it so I can listen back. <laughs> Just to get that, oh, yeah, mm, bit of an uh, audio oh, file going on. This yeah. man's interesting. I'll let you mix this one, actually, and you can <laughs> do it yourself. <laughs> I'm too much money. Um, <laughs> Sell out. No, um, you have the exact same voice as my friend Pete Reisner, so I've always imagined you looking exactly like Pete. <laughs> um, 
Well, so I'll have to try and get Pete on this because Pete Pete's playing in Saint Pierre Snake Invasion at the moment, isn't he? Yes, indeed. And he yeah. was in uh, Max Raptor, if I mm-hmm. do remember correctly. Um, so and maybe, him, maybe and hymns and hymns, yeah, with Sam, uh, Sam Manville from Blackfish, yeah. Um, so we're all sort of nice little happy family going on there. Maybe I'll have to get Pete on. Well, uh, this is a shout out to Pete. This is like you know when wrestlers like shout each other out. Like oh, yeah. this is me shouting Pete out to come on the podcast. So yeah, <laughs> Pete, if you're out there, like you're calling on him. Yeah, come and have a lovely chat, mate. It'd be nice. We'll sound the same. Be nice, yeah. Uh, but yeah, how how was the the interview and stuff? I mean, I I, I missed it myself because I was I was well, I was, I was eating my dinner because that's what we, what we did after we didn't record the podcast. So yeah, it was fine. It was it was all grand. At one point, she read out one of my tweets that was oh. taking the that was taking the piss out of Ian Brown tweeting, um, "There's no vaccine, like there's no COVID." So I tweeted, "This is where a man reads out his own tweets." <laughs> to try and pretend that he's funny. Um, so I tweeted, there is no Ian, like there's no Brown. And she said, that's funny, because Ian Brown's a bit of a legend, isn't he? <laughs> and I had, I froze and I had no idea what to say. I was like, I can't. You I can't, can't shit like, live, especially no, he's, no, he's actually like... a massive cunt, thank you very much. <laughs> Interview over. Yeah. See but, Yeah. I'm going to eat my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah have you done much press i know you, you did mention to me you've done a couple of podcasts before mm-hmm. but you couldn't say anything about either small pond or about the record or anything like that i guess we're trying to keep it under wraps but how, how was that was that was that harder than being asked about it you know by little old me and you know everyone else and yeah yeah especially because um i don't know when especially when you're like in the middle of i don't know like like we've just we'd just been to Leeds to record the mm-hmm. vast majority of it, yeah. Um, and you like get back or something, and someone wants to do a podcast, and you can't talk about. It's like where have you been? The, the good shit we just did. <laughs> yeah. like, I have to talk about the old boring songs more, but mm. yeah, it's, it was it's fine. I have restraint, kind of. <laughs> did you like after the recordings just like? stand in your kitchen just yell out everything you wanted to say about the record just to get it all out there <laughs> Norm- normally i just message damien like <laughs> just have a moan with damien <laughs> those fucking records gonna fucking destroy <laughs> damien damien said some absolutely for those who haven't listened to the episode said some absolutely amazing things about you guys rightfully so if i may say as well um, thank you um and it's obviously we're gonna talk about the fall at some point in some capacity because Damien did say you'd be the man or was it Jake was it you said that is uh, also the man well I I like to think I'm somewhat of a full fan I would say Jake is probably a bit a bit nerdier than me I mean so he'll be your your sort of QI elf so I without meaning to go straight into talking about the full um I probably like what would be called the sellout era of the full that is my favorite era (coughs) And, uh, and Jake likes the like, oh, J- John Peel, oh, it's noisy and out of tune, and he's a poet, that kind of era. Like so you, you two come together quite well, is. though. So, like, you, you can collect one half of the collection, and then Jake can collect the rest of it, and then you've got the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, just tried to make that all nice and nice and buddy there, but you've just basically told me to fuck myself, so that's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah let's let's talk about the record we won't talk about the fall yet because we've only got probably until midnight to talk so <laughs> we can sort of go from there um what what's sort of the 
I know you said there wasn't really much of a story about the name of the record, which is uh, the Live Long After. But you said there are some bits that you may want to talk about about everything else that's going on there. Is there anything you sort of want to bring up? Um, any good recording stories or anything part of the tracks and things? Well, we recorded, we recorded up. It, it was it's kind of mad actually. We got we were literally in the middle of talking about because we nearly finished the record. We had like three more songs to. I say right, kind of to kind of finish off and demo. Properly. Yeah, just like put put them together, I guess. I guess yeah. you know, so the ideas and stuff. It was just fine. Yeah, the right way there to were put them bits. Together. They just needed to be like glued. Mm, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we were talking about where we'd want to record it, and we were like, we were talking about getting like a, like Airbnb in like a massive house or something. Mm-hmm. Same and that, yeah. Yeah, that just wasn't feasible just because of the amount of equipment you have to get in. Yeah. You'd have to pay an engineer to come in as well. Cause yeah. Could you imagine turning up to someone's Airbnb and they're like thinking, expecting like a family and two kids to turn up and you like turning up and goes, where do we load in? <laughs> like, <laughs> Where do I load the stacks in? Like, yeah, yeah. Hope um, you've got no neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when we were talking about that, I got um, I got an email from a bloke called a very nice man who has since become my friend which is really really nice but um uh, a man called andy hawkins who uh co-owns a studio called the nave in leeds which so i got i got the email through and sometimes when you're in a band you get like email offers from the odd recording studio and they're normally they're, i don't want to shit on them they're normally all right but they're not they're not like they amazing. might not be the right thing for you i guess well yeah, they're just yeah. like little places you know little local places and they're just trying to advertise themselves which is fine yeah. so i saw i saw this email come up and i was like mm, maybe and then he kind of went into a bit of detail about a couple of the songs that he liked and mm-hmm. where he'd heard them and i was like oh it's well, not just, just done his template. research like yeah, yeah it's not yeah, just yeah. a template email you know um so I like f- fucking Googled it and it's uh the nave is a converted church, mm-hmm. like just outside the Leeds. And I looked at Suits like, you the, perfectly then. the live room and I was like, <laughs> well, that's on brand, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Can we turn all the crosses upside down and we're in? <laughs> and without meaning to get too like nervy production technical, um, we're not we're not massive fans of like modern metal production where it's all Mm -hmm. kind of like close mics, like uh, clicky kick drums and like re-triggered drums. And we like, like, like rooms, like you can hear the room in it and Mm -hmm. we like it to sound kind of wonky and like kind of, yeah, just make it sound live. Like you're there. Like, I mean, we were, we were discussing, scandinavian blackmail briefly before this but like that like that ethos is here you hear the room in recordings like whether it is the back of someone's van or whether it is a gigantic converted church or something yeah you're if you're a musician like yourself or even if you're a music fan hearing the room may or may not make sense as a sentence to someone but if you Mm. are one of those musicians it really does like you can tell when someone's recording in abbey road or you can tell when someone's recording in someone's bedroom yeah, I mean, there may be hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of equipment, but the room itself sounds different. You record the same song in one place and you get that. Did you want to go for that huge sound where it's basically swallowed everything up? Yeah, well, we I, I, like, I'm real into, like, stupid, big, like, 80s drum sounds. Nice. And, like, I guess 
I guess the obvious thing to point to would be like the cure or something, but mm-hmm. I go to connect to an even stupider place, which is like like Motley Crue and like fucking nice. no, like I hate those bands. Yeah, but, yeah. But you appreciate like, the the sound, I guess. Like those like glam metal records where the mm-hmm. drums sound like they're fucking recorded in a stadium. Yeah, with no one like, else around. Just put the snare in right in the middle. And it sounds that the snare sounds like eight shotguns going off at once. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah I, yeah, I like I fucking love that. Like, why would you not want like especially on like a a big heavy record? Why would yeah. you not want your drums to sound yeah. like that? Like, it could sound like, like Saint Anger. <laughs> hey it's not that record doesn't sound that bad i fucking love saying that it's one of the first cds i ever bought so it's same, like a, same same i mean i've learned my way since then it's not the you know but you know it sounds it uh, oh gosh this is gonna get me in some hot water <laughs> no say it, it's fine i won't the edit dr- it out the drums on saint anger sound better than the drums on right the lightning <laughs> Just stunned silence there. That for me, I've not really so, had much more to say. Someone's literally going to murder me in the street for that. <laughs> aren't they? Well, we should say that the record is out on the twenty seventh of August through Small Pond. Before you do get murdered for that sentence, we'll get that out there first. <laughs> yeah, um, buy buy it off me posthumously. Yeah, uh, we we sort of um, briefly talked about obviously having a record out over in Australia is you know it's a dream for a lot of people anyway, and you're sort of living it in that way. Um, but we were discussing about potential getting it over in America and what that sort of means. That sort of brought us into it. This might be an interesting thing to some people to hear, but when it comes to bands of a certain size in the UK releasing records and getting stuff pressed, there's been a lot of hurdles in the way. Um, one being that you guys released a, an EP said towards the beginning of the year, and it's not actually going to be able to come out physically until after this record has come out because of xyz reasons yeah um, mainly yeah. brexit and the obviously the pandemic but i think essentially the pressing plants are in eastern europe mm-hmm. now most of them most of the like most of the big ones that can do like bulk you yeah. know so i believe what's happened is to get super technical about it <laughs> they have stopped using the bulk eastern european pressing plants and are now trying to do everything from their like uh, pressing plant in the UK that's a lot yeah. smaller. So the waiting list is just like ridiculous. Did you say just, October or something? It was likely to come out. Yeah, well, September, October, which is, and um, they can't give us a confirmation date. date. Yeah, it'd be so a it nice little be, uh, little sort of hors d'oeuvre after your, your main course, I guess, having the... Yeah, the well, I'd like to apologize to anyone listening right now that bought the pre-ordered one of those records. They will come to you. I haven't just stolen your money. In, <laughs> he has. In fact, he has. In, fact, in fact, we've actually lost lost money on this on this pressing because... Because of all the um, backlog and everything. Um, because it turned out to be more expensive than the initial quote. <laughs> and we stopped pre-orders before that happens oh, yeah. so we've had to spend all of the postage money on getting it pressed as well oh. so we're paying for postage out of our own pocket but so, don't don't feel sorry for us because we just got a record deal yeah so i'll just sell one of my private fucking i was about to say if you picked what kind of g-wagon you want yeah um are we going to see you driving down the m4 towards south wales in a you know mercedes four by four blasting out the new record with a record player inside it i'm just going to get a lorry like Chris Eubank. 
I mean, to be fair, I mean, everyone loves a bit of a truck simulator. Imagine a real life truck simulator. <laughs> real life truck simulator. Yeah. Truck simulator simulator. <laughs> you sit at home watching someone simulate that. Um, let's talk about some bands um, because I guess that's the main reason why we're we're here yeah. now at this time on late on a Monday while I'm coughing my lungs up after playing too much football. So I'll be coughing my lungs up in a bit. Okay, so, we'll just do about, it in solidarity. I've three cigarettes in an hour. It's, <laughs> it's not that stressful, is it? Or has it been that good? Like, no, I just love it. <laughs> so you sent me um, a good list of, of four bands as well. Oh, actually, briefly, I just want to talk about, you mentioned that you worked in a music venue, sort of, when you said that you couldn't go back to work. Was that the was Mother's Ruin, wasn't it? Yeah, Bristol? yeah. Fantastic venue. Obviously, there's been a lot of stuff going on. We'll probably talk a bit towards the end about more venues, but if anyone listening now... Obviously, support your local venue now more than ever if you can, uh, whether it's financially or just go in there and, and see what you can do. Um, buy a pint. Oh, yeah, just go in, buy a pint or a Coke, of, whatever. Of Coke. Like. Yeah, yeah, buy yeah. a pint of Coke. Which, which we'll talk about that, actually, as well, because that's a very <laughs> good point that I forgot to bring up. Um, but, yeah, definitely try and do what you can, um, especially if you're in Bristol. There was a fantastic um, live stream that was on last night as we've listened to it now on Sunday night for the Gig Buddies scheme as well, which I'm going to give them a shout out if anyone's heard about it. Um, basically partners up people who may struggle to get out to live music themselves for various reasons. And it's a really fantastic sort of charity to get involved with. So I'll, I'll make sure I put some links and stuff. It in. was great. Big ups to Dev for organising that. Indeed, yeah. Um, I love watching McCluskey from my living room because it meant that I, I wasn't sweating through my shirt. And Such a good set list there. as well. They played so Alan as a cowboy killer. Yeah. Amazing. I remember I, the ballad. Been, um, trying to embarrass Damien about when he did play with McCluskey at club. And uh, they think, I can't remember what song it was, but Falco just made him learn it there and then on stage in front of everybody. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He played it like faultlessly. Such a, fair play such to a him, bully. But, such yeah, a bully. But it was, uh, it was fantastic. Damien. But yeah, if you get a chance, obviously Gig Buddies is good. And also the Music Venue Trust, which I will probably have mentioned before this and you're bored of hearing me talk about everything. But yeah, let's talk about some bands that are along together. Um, you sent me a great list again half the bands i'd never even listened to so that's the whole point of this is that i'm discovering hell of a lot more music and hopefully you listening are as well so um first band on the list um is a band called the swirlies and i'll mm. just let you take it away from there and i'll just fill in the gaps i guess <laughs> swirlies are from um from from boston mm-hmm. like a 90s band um they have literally never, I don't think they've ever played a venue that's bigger than like 500 people. Um, but I think they're one of the most eclectic, forward thinking, insane, like ideas of a band that I've ever heard in my life. It's crazy. I guess um, they normally get lumped in with the kind of like post loveless, like shoegaze boom of the mm-hmm. 90s. Um, but I think they're they've definitely got like you can hear that in them for sure. There's like the the male female vocal thing singing yeah. real softly and the guitar tremolo arm. Yeah. Trying your best to make a guitar not sound like a guitar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's so many things that are like just predate like so many subgenres of like indie rock and yeah. um that just blew my mind the first time I heard them. Um, like, 
I legitimately think that um, I can never remember the entire name of the album because it's so long. Something like they spent their days in the glittering something of salons. Is it? Uh, I'm cheating. I got my <laughs> yeah. notes. Just so everyone else is aware, there. So it's called "They Spent Their Wild, Youthful Days in the Glittering World of the Salons." Yes, yeah, that's the one. And I definitely wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> the, that that album just goes in so many fucking directions. It's insane. There's like there's like a metal riff in it that that starts a song that comes out of nowhere. Um, there's like there are like math rock sections that completely like predate any math rock bands. Mm. There are there are like weird electronic like noise songs. Um, there's like field recordings of like French radio. Um, it's it's just insane. Um, and that that record, uh, the their first record. Oh, by the way, if anyone has that record on vinyl, um, the Salons record, I will buy it off you for probably quite a lot of money. Um, <laughs> okay. So so message me. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll I'll put his telephone number in the uh, in the comments as well. <laughs> Um, I believe I believe it's um, they did like a double disc release on Tang Records, which is mental because they were like yep. a hardcore label. Mm. That's the craziest thing about the Swirlies. Like they all of their records were released on this like super Boston hardcore punk label. Nice. But, um, yeah, they did like a double disc release thing of a record called Sneaky Flute Music, and Salons are on the same the same package so yeah. if anyone has that message me I'm just using it. my podcast as ebay i like it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason i put it on here rich just so i can <laughs> yes yeah, so we end this we'll end there. right thanks for listening guys um <laughs> just just you talking about how they're so like the eclectic nature of them putting stuff together i know you also did say to me that they may be one of the bands you might not be able to talk about as much but there's a comparison there that i can put some of that you said where you like to have your music within a set of rules, but then try your best to find the ways out of those rules, but within still doing it. Do you feel like these guys almost had the complete opposite of that? And they were like, there are no rules. How do we like, but, but keep it. I don't know. Cause I, I feel like uh, apart from the odd, like weird electronic interlude and stuff, I think most of their songs sound like the swirlies. Like I don't, I think they have like a sound that's like in set parameters, but they just throw out these weird bits every just to now and keep again. You listening, and like, I guess, or just to see if, see if you are listening. And I guess some acts do that with, don't they? When you think you might have a really, <laughs> let's say you have a really basic A B A C A B sort of song structure, if that means mm. anything to anyone there. But that can get quite tedious listening to, I guess, after a while. But yeah. if you're a musician and you want your music to be interesting to people, whether it's played live or over the radio or on a CD or whatever, it's always good to have like something that does set you apart from yeah you know all those bands like you said like uh, my bloody valentine and, and and bands like that that would just be floating around then how do you make yourself sound different to the biggest bands doing what it is that they may not be trying to do but they're getting lumped in with as as you said yeah but it's like oh, oh man like there's there's some fucking insane i like when i listen to music i don't i feel like lots of people listen to music and go, that's a really cool guitar part mm-hmm. or whatever. And I like the things that interest me are like the overall idea of like a part or like um, a section of a song mm-hmm. 
So like the end of, um, it's called, um, I'm looking at my notes now, <laughs> um, San Cristobal de las Casas. Got quite a good Spanish accent there. I don't know if you... <laughs> um, that starts with like a metal riff, mm. right? And then it's like My Bloody Valentine verses. And then the end riff is just not a riff. It's just going like... For like ages, like, for like <laughs> way too long, and it's like it's it's like horrible, but in the best possible best way. Possible way, yeah. Well, that's the thing, like that abrasive nature. That's one of the words I did write down about. It's got that abrasiveness to it. Um, I, I I said to you earlier on, which you said you were going to correct me to that. I got sort of like a Pixies vibe to them, which you said was wrong, but you know. And I'm absolutely happy to admit that that was wrong. But that abrasiveness is what I would think was missing from a lot of the music in that that sort of time. When you say the Pixies, mm. you say even Nirvana, like I hate again to throw them into that sort of thing, doesn't have that level of abrasiveness from what I heard from some of the sounds that were thrown in some of these Swirlist tracks I listened to. Yeah, like there's there's just a lot of like kind of he's he's obviously just not been playing guitar the whole time you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. he's he's been walking around and thinking about cool things to do in a song and then yeah. gone back and worked out how he can do that with a guitar so he's not sit there and done like 30 different things like like i think there's a story of Jimi hendrix playing the guitar solo to all along the watchtower and he's there's like 70 different versions of it where he plays it with a different type of slide and thing where I bet if Hendrix had gone outside and come back in and gone, I've got a lighter, which is what he ended up using. I'm just going to do it that way. Thought mm. it through rather than 70 different times. I can imagine that. Yeah. Did you have that sort of thing when you're writing? Do you need to put your guitar down sometimes or, or yeah, put your notebook um, down and just think? Especially, especially with like, with like heavy, with like heavy music, mm. um, it, you, you fall quite easily into the trap of just gluing lots of riffs together. Yeah. And I think, but that can get me, quite tedious sometimes for, for you playing, I guess, but for you writing it as well. Do you think like, oh, there's too many? It's too, well, is there such just, thing as too many riffs? You <laughs> just tend to do the same thing a lot. Mm. Like, I I find when um when you approach things that way. Whereas if you kind of try and think about it outside of a kind of play player's realm, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If you think about like, I I tend to kind of nick ideas from songs that I hear, mm -hmm. but because of the way they translate into like what we do, they don't really sound that similar. You've got your own way of doing it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, and yeah. it's it's just like um, I'm trying to think of an example. Yeah. So the two the the last two singles, well, not Fat Dracula, the standalone singles we put mm -hmm. out, um, the Great Shame and Slam Dancing in a Burning Building, were kind of. <laughs> That's a fantastic name, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. That 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 was Sadler Drummers. That one. Nice. Um, that they're kind of based on. So a, a couple of my friends like to take the piss out of us by saying that we just play like uh, open A, <laughs> the lowest note. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just that the whole time and screaming. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, what, what if I actually tried to do um, a song where it was literally just that? So <laughs> the, the great shame is like literally just, just open A 
to the whole time. With oh, there you go, guys. If anyone's learning to play guitar, <laughs> your first song. Yeah, I want I wanted to make that one like half an hour long because I thought it'd be hilarious yeah. <laughs> just to do open A for like half an hour. It'd be amazing, but um, it turns out that that's quite that's quite difficult to make it actually. Interesting. Yeah, especially if you want someone to release it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's isn't there a Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard song that's like thirty two minutes long, and they got released on a French Doom label that does stuff on cassette, and the only cassettes they could have was like thirty minutes. And I'm pretty sure they were like, we have to do something with this because it just doesn't got to work. Play, <laughs> play it like an extra BPM faster and just try and squeeze it all in. Well, you must have heard the the story of Dope Smoker by Sleep, right? No. You've never heard of that record? I've oh, heard of the record. I don't know the story behind it, no. Do you not know that it's one song that's an, that's an hour long? No. It's a bit, does, it, does, it, does it move on from that, though? Does it, like... Um, kind of. <laughs> kind of there are like sections to it where it mm. gets kind of different like there's a spacey section in the middle i mean the drums don't start until like six minutes in <laughs> fair enough <laughs> you think imagine putting like, that in your car i mean like <laughs> is my cd player broken like it's amazing though it's like tro- totally like it completely transcends that like genre of just they just like, get thrown in the doom stoner sort of yeah yeah don't it, they? yeah but it transcends that it's like here's me saying like i know loads about them but yeah <laughs> so that's my level of understanding about sleep so it's it's not it's like the logical conclusion of that you know what i mean like mm. like it's not just they're not just a band who are just playing as low and as slow and as heavy as they can mm. like after like fucking 15 minutes of because it's such a low tempo as well Mm. that you can't really tell what the riff is like (laughs) like the notes are so far apart from each other that Mm. your brain just doesn't connect them you know what i mean so it it just sounds like they're good just going to like random is it one of those records that again i know i know for for anyone who who doesn't know ash is is sober uh and Mm. you know Congratulations! How long did you say? Sorry that you've been so before now. I try not to keep track, but it's about that's a fair play as well. It's about three years. See, see, that's fantastic. I wish I had the, the commitment to that. Anyone else listening? Obviously, if you need a chat about it, I think Ash did say he'd happily have a chat with me about it at some point. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I think it's one of those. I think it was Tom from Pull the Part by Horses that mentioned. We were talking about the Mars Volta and at the drive, and it's like it helps with those bands to be on supplements or to be enhanced uh, right, right. if you know if so, you know what i mean right so, so sleep this is part of the magic story of this record sleep got so they released their first record which is holy mountain which is essentially a demo tape yeah right i forget what what label they released it on but it was like some some like indie metal label from the us mm-hmm. and because of the grunge explosion at the time um people were like hearing it and they were hearing like Caius and stuff and they were like oh we'll grab that band and they'll do really well they'll do as well as Caius yeah so London Records in the UK which is like an insanely big record label Mm. signed Sleep and gave them I think it's in the realm of 200,000 pounds to make an album and they spent 150 grand on guitar amps and weed and then spent the rest on like like two weeks in a studio just recording an hour long song and then we're like this is the record and London Records were like we're not putting that out <laughs> and they were like okay bye then yeah see ya thanks for the money <laughs> it's incredible so long and thanks for all the fish <laughs> Um, 
bloody hell can you imagine having the balls to, i was actually saying having the balls to, but that's just musicians in that state i guess like that's what they've produced it's not like a i don't imagine it would be like a big one of those flipping the v's sort of thing it would just be oh we've got loads of money we can do the record that we've kind of may have always wanted to do or to have some kind of experience doing it this is what we've done and if you're not happy with it well tough shit it must have been so good though because they would have realized that no one had ever done anything like that before hmm. and like just the i can imagine the tangible excitement of being yeah, like been we've done we've done that like oh amazing i'm gonna have to go and listen to that i listen to it during my work because i guess i could put it in one headphone and just ignore it i guess until the drums come in after six minutes <laughs> the, the drums sound incredible as well are they big like eight shotgun sized drums so uh, they... no not really they're like <clears throat> they're real 90s like uh like sound garden or something and that's what nice. the drums sound like i like we've gone <laughs> on from getting... swirlies to talking about sleep <laughs> like... <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I was definitely going to get on that at some point because there was a big point in my life where I was listening to Caius and and like Sky Valley three times a day. Um, oh, yeah. Just just wanting to play my guitar and see Standard and and try and be Josh Harmer and, and you know, get that vibe. But then I realised I lived in the middle of Birmingham and not the desert. And it uh, don't really hey, get the same. Hey, 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 Sabbath. I know you're not Sabbath, but that was the 1960s. It was a completely different place, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's move on from Swirlies. I know you said there wasn't much that you could talk about with them, but I really want to move on to some of these acts that we've got here. Uh, a band that you helped me pronounce four times before. I'm definitely going to get wrong now. A band called the Cocteau Twins. Yeah, yeah. He's yes. got it. He's got it. In one. Um, again, you said with your amazing French accent the first time you uh, corrected me <laughs> that they're actually from Scotland. So, yeah. They are, um, they're from Grange uh, Yeah. What's your relationship with uh, with these guys then? So obviously, obviously, I'm not supposed to. Oh yeah, well, no family friends. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking wish. Yeah. I'm saying saying that Liz Fraser, who was the singer in the Cocteau Twins, and who also sang on Teardrop by Massive Attack. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, she's the singer on that. Um, she lives in Clifton, in Bristol. Hmm? So she's not she's not far away. Yeah, yeah. I, sh- I, I should have That's a bit strange, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember at uni, someone showing me a Cocteau Twin song and being like, listen to the vocals on this. And I was like, nah, it's wank. It's just someone, sho- just someone showing off. And the, But then post-uni, post I had like... I had like a six-month period post-uni of being unemployed and just sitting in a flat for a very fucking long time and listening to a lot of music um and i kind of rediscovered them and well just once you once it clicks i like i can see why some people would find it really difficult because it it does sound incredibly 80s like it's it's like the epitome of what people think music from the 80s sounds like to yeah. me. you know what i mean but once you kind of once you kind of get past that it's like this the combo of her voice which i still think is the greatest recorded pop voice of all time like hands down it kicks everyone in the car that's like, a better statement than uh the rider lightning thing so i think people like just like that on there <laughs> I, I got like right so i'm gonna be completely honest here i don't like the cure 
and bands like Joy Division and things like that, right? Like, Which I know again God. is kind of hard. Why am I on this podcast? Well, this is it. Like, so when you sent me these, I was listening to them, and I did get a lot of that from it, and I meant that in, in a good way. Not saying I didn't like it, but you know, my my fiance absolutely loves Robert Smith and The Cure and everything that they've ever released. So she can enjoy that. I don't have to. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> there's a thing that I, I you might be able to explain this to me. Mm-hmm. Why is the cure gothic rock? Why, why do people throw in it? Because that's there that was a, a genre that was bounded around by the, the for the Cocteau Twins on right. a lot of the sort of forums and things. I was trying to do a bit of research in. Where does that come from? Because you hear the word gothic, you go Marilyn Manson. I should probably change oh, what I said there, right? Uh, there are go- there are goths everywhere that are like, I'm going to fucking murder you well, with yeah. my bare hands. Yeah, I know, but but I that's know. that's it. you say go out to the per- the everyday person in the street and say the word goth to them. Mm. That's what people think, right? That's because I'm not the, saying that's right. Just that's because Marilyn Manson and like I don't know, fucking Trent Reznor and uh, who else, like to some extent the dude from Tool or whatever yeah. um, in the 90s and the early 2000s were they were fans of The Cure and mm-hmm. like industrial music and shit like that from the yeah. 80s so it's the, all of their kind of like sensibilities are from that so it's almost like the other way around then so let's yeah. say like The Cure and that did it which again I'm learning something here and hopefully this is the whole point it's an educational podcast now guys <laughs> um, it the Cure and that aren't just branded gothic rock now because someone looked at Robert Smith in, let's say, in the late 90s when they were writing a uh, musical review before they'd even listened to The, the Cure and gone, he has to be a goth. Like, that was their, uh, <laughs> their yeah, overriding it, thing. <laughs> it was... The thing with The Cure is, as well, um, they changed their sounds quite a lot. Yeah. So the early stuff is much more goth than the kind of later stuff with mm. the exception of disintegration, which mm. goes back to being quite goth. Yeah. But um, the later stuff is a lot more kind of uh, like jangly <laughs> indie pop. Mm. But that, I think that was a calculated decision from Robert Smith. Fair. Because that's, that's always, that's always bugged me that has, and it was nice to have someone who knows about it for me to, <laughs> rather than me just sitting there going, it's not goth. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, like, it's not goth. Um, now it is. And now it makes sense. So now nine inch nails aren't goth. Uh, <laughs> nine inch nails are just industrial and we'll just leave it at that. I'm I, sure Trent Reznor will never listen to this. It's I, I believe that whole, like the, the derogatory term, most like real goths, they, they were air commas there. Yeah. Um, real goths <laughs> would use for, for like people like Marilyn Manson is a drama club goth. Ah, uh, okay. So the hot topic sort of thing. Like, <laughs> 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 nice. Is it hot? What's the uh, blue banana goth? I think is the <laughs> UK version, isn't it? Like, yeah. you go in there and you come out with an accidental nose piercing. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry. Go on the Cocteau Twins. Sorry about that tangent there, guys. Because I had, okay. to, I had to clear that up because they were one of the Cocteau Twins. Listening to them were one of those bands that you could, you could throw into that genre of music or that style of music it's the style of the music at the time where you know it was it's jangly pop music with amazing vocals and but more to it than that i guess like there's a lot more emotion in that sort of music than people tend to give it credit for yeah it's like it's it's just insane the originality of her vocal lines over the top of and the originality of Robin Guthrie, who's the guitarist and producer. Yeah. So he kind of writes the backing tracks and then she fucking soars over the top. But 
the originality of both of those things by themselves. Like if there was a normal singer on his back on his like compositions, it would still be amazing. Yeah. And if she was on like the top of a regular band, it would still be amazing. But the fact that they're in one band, like fucking blows my mind. They push each other. They push each other, I guess. Yeah. Apparently, apparently lots of, especially kind of, um, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily true on the first couple albums, but um, the later stuff where she really starts kind of just diving for notes that are not even close to each other. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, that, a lot of that stuff is like she hears the instrumental a couple of times, then goes in and records a vocal line over it, and then, they, and then they'll try and like double track it a load of times, and it will... Mm-hmm just won't sync up properly and that's where you hear the loads of these like swirling melodies around each other it's like kate, kate bush style like yeah over exaggerated in a good in a good way in a controlled sort of way yeah it's a bit like kate bush it's a it's a bit more kate bush is a bit more um i guess it's more angular than liz fraser is liz fraser does it in a more kind of like siren-esque like mm. kind of swooning way it's it's mad. I could, the, you can't really compare it to anything. I've, I've never heard anyone sing like that before. Um, there's a song called There's a song called Carolyn's Fingers, which is on their record Blue Bell Knoll, which is like I I've never heard a song that sounds that difficult to sing. <laughs> it's, I've, 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 it blows my mind that someone actually sung that into a microphone. Like, it's, it's fucking madness. And I love no no like, auto-tune back there as well. Back there as well so. I love sitting there listening to music like that. You know when, you probably have it as well, being a musician, where you sit there and you listen to something and you go, how have they even come up with that? Like, mm. I, I think that a lot with like Alpha Male Tea Party and a lot of instrumental math rock bands and things where you go, I can pick up my guitar and, and just, you know, jam away and go, that sounds shit and put it back down again. <laughs> and then go and listen to like some of like what Tom Peters is playing. And I bet he probably thought that again, I'm just going to carry on with this and it's just going to turn into this like wild, like impossible thing that only I'm going to be able to understand playing it and stuff but it's great when you get stuff like that for sure um but the guitarist probably gonna fucking hate me for this but um in in a way i kind of think that like if you play guitar enough you'll be good enough to play anything really if you practice enough but there's a certain there's like the singing is has like a certain you have to be a certain kind of natural to be able to do stuff like that. Like, yeah, you have, yeah. Uh, it's, there's a starting point that some people, most, most people are kind of already at, like being able to carry a tune, I guess. Yeah. Whereas like yeah, say, yeah. if you practice at the guitar, same as drums and, and everything, like you will eventually, like you said, be able to play everything if you put your mind to it. But if you can't mm. sing full stop, like to start with, mm. it may not be impossible, but I guess it's like, I can't sing for shit. I, mean, I just shout. So, I mean, yeah, if, if if you can't sing full stop, you're never going to be able to sing Carolyn's Fingers. Like, it's just not... It's not, the. You just have to have, like, a fucking natural, like, insane vocal cords to be able to do that. I, I, it, it just... It's, like, one of the most... Without it being, like, a fucking technical fucking gent exercise, <laughs> it's one of the most impressive things I've ever heard. Yeah. And... I don't normally like music that's like impressive. 
um, yeah. <laughs> all the things. Are, the, there is music that I love that is difficult uh, on a technical level, mm-hmm. um, but it's not normally the thing I like about music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that just fucking blows my mind. I'm going to definitely put a link to that so everyone can can hear it. So again, that was one of the ones I, I didn't actually get around to listen to. But again, it's like in the middle of a record, in the middle of their um, discography as well. So it's like you have to sort of delve quite deep to get into there. It was a single, to be fair. It was a single, but, um, but it, which down. is mad in itself. That, <laughs> that got played on like a radio station, but yeah. Radio 6 back in 1988. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just the John Peel show, isn't it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> John Peel FM. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like, did you said? Do you remember the first time that you sort of listened to the Cocteau Twins? But was it like, do you do they stick with you as well? Do you go back to it? You know, you said that there's there's music in there. Do, do you sit and listen to it and go, I want to listen to something that makes me go, How have you done that? Or now is it like it's in your catalogue that you just put it on and you just enjoy it? Um, it's I mostly I find it like really beautiful. Mm. Um, the Cocteau Twins. I I kind of listen it's quite, to it. It's quite do you know what I'm saying? The opposite of the sort of music you write, you know? Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Which I think is quite, again, it's quite an endearing thing where you get people who get quite set in their ways in the music. Like you chat to a bunch of guys who write metal tracks. Chances mm. are they listen to Megadeth and Metallica and you know, you, you cliche sort of stuff. No, that's a bad thing. But there tends not to be much in the, or that they admit in the way of listening to the stuff. Like they wouldn't admit to owning gold by ABBA, like <laughs> that sort of level to it, which I think everyone should, you know. Have, oh, yeah have those there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure i think is what i'm trying to get at mm, well um, what's the best abba album abba's greatest hits yeah. but, um it wouldn't be the greatest hits if it wasn't the greatest one <laughs> it's, it's very true it's literally <laughs> called it <laughs> come, come back to me for more logic guys <laughs> but yeah do, do you like take take music like this to your songwriting or to the other guys in the band and be like, listen to this and see if you can hear it, how I can hear it and how um, it's put together. I think the, the other guys in the band really like the Cocteau twins. I'm not, I'm not sure about the swirlies. <laughs> I'm not sure if they like that or not, but um, yeah, the other guys in the band definitely like the Cocteau twins. Um, it's, it's not something that I'd ever even attempt to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's, it, <laughs> for one it's quite difficult <laughs> and <laughs> you don't um, like difficult music so that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's one of the kind of aims of this band is just be as easy as possible to play mm-hmm. thank fuck i've been in is that enough... so you can sing uh coldplay lyrics <laughs> i've been in enough bands in my life where it's been like real difficult to play sets and I've yeah fucking hated it <laughs> you think you, do you think you've nailed it now then like not say like don't get me wrong like you can still listen to music to so the un- untrained ear like it is complicated because there's there's song structures and things like that that people don't necessarily understand but sure. i guess does it come kind of natural to you now then since you've been writing so many songs you said you've been in so many bands and do you think you've nailed it now that's um, quite a question to answer i guess but christ almighty do you yes think you, I am, you've got to that point i am literally an expert now no good <laughs> good <laughs> that's ten my out of fucking ten. grammy um <laughs> no it's it's just got I just got to a point where it feels not comfortable, but um, there's a point in writing where you don't have to, I don't have to concentrate on it. 
Mm. So no, like, I think that's a good thing. So don't, don't, I, the way you're looking at me is sort of like I can see you looking for the answer. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's good when you get to that point because you could be a musician for so long. There could be people who are still playing into the 60s and things and not nail mm. that thing you're comfortable with and getting it being comfortable i think is a fun is a it's a good thing to be when you're a songwriter because you feel right in what you're sharing i wouldn't say comfortable is the right word because I'm you like all... to make people feel uncomfortable with the music, though, i guess that's the, <laughs> I'm, well i'm all, i'm always i'm always trying to trying to think of a way to do something differently mm-hmm. yeah um, than, but that's part of it though and we've done like it you before yeah. yeah but but now i don't have to actually think about it the whole time now yeah. it'll I've thought about it so much that it's kind of <laughs> embedded in my subconscious now. Yeah. So it will just like, I'll be watching something or listening to some music and it will, I'll be like, Oh, I can put that in a song. It will click. You know what like, I mean? Yeah. But that's yeah. your process then, I guess. Your process Fuck is... me, that's pretentious. <laughs> no, 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 don't. Like, it's the thing I, I do like to, everyone listening, you know, I like to chat about guitar tones and song structures and things like that because that's what makes music full stop, right? Without the musician behind the guitarist, the drummer or whatever, you don't hear the really weird sounds that you made <laughs> earlier on um, or, or like have these huge pop songs. I think I was discussing the Eurovision Song Contests on last week's episode and or the episode before with, with Karim. And like, there is such thing as the perfect pop song, which I guess is what they're trying to find with that thing, like engaging and stuff. And it can be as structured as you like, but when you nail it, like you nail it, and that can be that can be in every single genre of music. So you could have your Scandi black metal, or you could have your dream pop, or you can have your rap music. There is a structure to it, and there's mm. when you nail it yourself. I bet it feels like a pretty good thing. Are there tracks? I'm going to put you on the spot now. Are there? Is there a track on the record that you think that when you were all putting it together, you went, "This is the one now that we we all got together and put it, you know, in the right place." Interesting. Um, you can say no as well. <laughs> there was the, the the last track on the album because because so much of our stuff is kind of like someone will bring something in yeah. and that's normally that beforehand before we even get in a room together that normally gets sent around and, cr- and made into something quite whole yeah if that makes sense yeah, yeah. Then, so when you were all together in the room you've yeah. got the starting point to go from and i guess when it, it there's normally together. there's normally like a structure already and everything um mm-hmm. so but the last track on the album um we didn't know how it was going to start um, the first I had literally just ripped off the Deftones riff, nice. Um, <laughs> off of off of their newest album, mm. and I was like, I I bought it in as like an idea of we I could we could do this as an idea, yeah. Um, but not with this riff because it already exists. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Um, just find so just find a couple of extra notes or take a few away from this one. Like yeah, so that had to get written, and then there was more sections as well, and there mm-hmm. was the middle section that was written, but we had to find our way to that, and then there was this end that was also just an idea. Yeah, um, and that was like that's one of the only times we've really jammed something to get it together. Yeah just because it's the same thing over and over again and it involves just turning on lots of pedals at <laughs> certain times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, that one, actually the titles have been released. Las Vegas Showgirl, mm-hmm. um, that, that one's quite collaborative 
um, and that felt cool at the end that we'd kind of made something in the room. Yeah. But yeah, normally they're quite, they're kind, they're not fully formed, but they're kind of fully formed when they come in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you that because you mentioned before, I was with the, the, the way that the songs are written for the Cocteau Twins, that vocals could be somewhere else and the music could be somewhere else, but then the fact they've come together is what makes the track for you or the mm. tracks for you. Um, but but I guess I'm, I'm trying to wean in the way of like, you say you consume a lot of music and do you like subconsciously do that? You know what I mean? Like where you go, right, I can do this, the guys can do this and then it comes together, but you don't have to say it. Like it, yeah, it's already um, working. Well, we nick stuff all the time. All Who the doesn't? time. Like, yeah, constantly. Like, I, I think it's, it's very... It's, I hope it's, Vlad doesn't listen to this and now he's going to like, have to load a lawsuit so then trying to sign off a riff that you stole from the Deftones record. I mean, it's not like straight nicking, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like... Um, it's a homage, right? Well, it's more of like... It's, it's fucking wanky to talk about, and I've said it like a million <laughs> times already, but it's more of like the idea of a section. Mm. Like... Like the, I probably shouldn't talk about the structure of the record before it's actually out, but the, <laughs> we do, we'll do vague, vaguely. Yeah, yeah, the the verses in that Las Vegas Showgirl song. Hmm. So the idea that I heard in this Deftones track was, it's just like Steph, the guitarist, just chugging one note. So it's yeah. like, I guess it's a bit like a beatdown without being like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but he's just like chugging one note. But Chino's singing a melody over the top, yep. but over one note, and it, and you don't notice that it doesn't like change chord or whatever, mm-hmm. and it still sounds great. Yeah. And I was like, let's do that somewhere, you know. And so yeah. it's like ideas. Yeah. Rather... Like, like this, to bring in the simplicity back, like you said before, you know, you said you did it as kind of like a joke to people and stuff, but mm. you know, simple can be better. Especially yeah, if you're yeah. playing it, because then you don't have to fucking worry about it. <laughs> like you can just chug away from the whole thing. Well, that's part. Yeah, that's part of the reason. So I don't have to concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go from super simple talking about nice and simple to probably one of the most erratic bands, the most erratic band on this list. Yeah, um, it's a band that we've we've discussed before on the podcast with Damien, uh, who is, if you haven't figured out, a very good friend of Ash's. Uh, and did say so, yeah. Yeah, did say some very very nice things and we did give Sugar Horse their time so hopefully you'll say something nice about them at some point but you know I won't I, hold you to that I might um, it's The Chariot which are a, a band that after Damien introduced me to them I did listen to a lot of because it was that right level of cathartic hardcore that sometimes you need I think a lot of people have mentioned like listening to loads of noise bands and having that sound wash over you and it sort of wakes you up and it, it puts you in the right space Chariot are like that Dillinger level of where's it going to go next sort of thing. But yeah, what's your, what's your relationship with, with these guys then? Um, I remember very specifically someone sending me, there's a, um, I think Damien told this exact same story, but yeah. um, someone sent me the video to the song Teach. And that video is like a compilation of all of the insane shit that they've done on tour. Like yeah. all of, all little like five second clips of mad shit that's happened on stage. As you said, it was the greatest. I think the quote in Damien, the greatest first track to an album ever. Um, <laughs> Which that was his. That was his words. So again, uh, it, it might be up there. It's, it's teaches a great song, but um, yeah, I heard that and 
I didn't even really listen to the music the first time around just because I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> like if if you've seen the video, you'll, you'll know that it's just like insane stuff. That it's no not even should, three minutes long, is it? Yeah, no one should ever do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and then I remember just showing it to a few of my friends, just being like, look how Watch insane this, this Look how crazy up. tours can be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we should go on one of them one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think just through repetition of that, I ended up kind of taking the song in. Mm-hmm. but not really listening to it still. Yeah. And then and then later on, I was like, oh, I'm going to actually listen to them, see what they're like. And then I remember pro- like not watching the video and actually listening to it for the first time and mm-hmm. being like, wow, this sounds like nothing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a simplicity to the chariot that really adds to the kind of like energy and abrasiveness of it that I yeah. think... While I love Dillinger, um, the technicality of it, um, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of wacky in a way. You know yeah, I just mean? think it makes it hard. I talk about Dillinger, it makes it harder to, for people to get into them. Whereas I guess the Chariot is, for all intents and purposes, they're a hardcore band, albeit they're, they're a Christian hardcore band, which I think is mm. something me and Damien spoke about as well. But do you think it's a bit more accessible? The chariot than Dillinger? No, not at all. I think it's no. the exact opposite. The opposite. Fair yeah. enough. I think it's like it's because it's so most of it's so boneheaded. Mm. There, I mean, there are sections that are real difficult. Yeah, technically, but most of it is like, and they're they're looser. It's real loose, and everything's recorded live as well. Like their first record is all of them in the same room with the amps in the room and everything, and Josh is. Mm doing vocals in the room. No so it's overdubs. all washed over, like... No overdubs, and they just played the album the whole way through and recorded it, and that was it. Wow. Um, so, and, and the album's following, they added overdubs on and stuff, but it was still... I think the, like, basic tracks uh, of them in a room playing the songs, and you can hear, like, the feedback and people fuck up notes and stuff, and stuff yeah. goes out of time. The stuff um, that matters to people like you listening to music, I guess, because... You want to have that, like we talked earlier on uh, about hearing the room or the room sounding different. I guess those things also matter where you do hear a bum note every once in a while or you hear someone doing a drum solo and hearing them chatting over it, like Mm. things like that, that you really, you hear only when you engage with it, I guess. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, I love, like, Meshuggah as an example, who were just like, essentially just program drums and guitars into like a amp modeling thing and then a guy doing vocals over the top and they're all recorded separately to click tracks and quantize so they're perfectly in time yeah and that works for Meshuggah I still find Meshuggah like insanely great mm-hmm. but my favorite music is when you can hear people fuck up and you can hear like that one of my favorite things to hear um you can so sleep that we were talking about before yeah because the guitars recorded so loud in this room that's not that big Hmm. you can hear if you listen to some of the gaps between the notes and the 
few times he's not actually playing, <laughs> you can hear the room kind of fart out with the bass response. Yeah. Like, you can hear, like, the walls shuddering. The walls shaking, like, yeah. I fucking love that. And, like, definitely going to have to listen to that record. just immediately puts you in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, remo- it removes you from where you are. I guess that's, like, the, the difference between... And now, obviously, people listen to this probably are music fans, or I like to think that you are, or you're just interested in what Ash has to say, or, or probably not what I have to say. But I guess the idea is that if you're into music, genuinely into music, not just listen to the radio... Things like that really do matter on a record. Um, I mean, even the the Mushuga thing, the fact that it's so perfect matters mm. because then that's the most meticulous thing that they can do is sit there and program everything or like to to a T. Because then if one thing is off on that, you know, to probably notice it more than you would if you noticed, you know, a bum well, note in a hardcore record. Like what's what's funny as well is that their latest record was all like live. With no edits or anything as well, and you can't fucking tell. Oh, they're they're just—they're just super fucking human, aren't they? Like tight, it makes no difference whatsoever. I I remember just being like, "I'm going to try and learn the rhythm to bleed, and just see." That just doesn't happen. Like I'm 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 a relatively competent guitarist. That's as far as I would possibly push it. I was like, I could do this. I could stand there for an hour and just go. Nope, nope. Thirty seconds, and you're like, I've got RSI, and have to call in sick to work tomorrow. Like unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, going back. Sorry, I've done a tangent there again. But yeah, going back to the chariot and things. Does music like that seep into your songwriting, or do you find it? almost like an escape to listen to it instead um, yeah well a bit of both like mm. there's something about josh scoggin's voice yeah that's like insanely cathartic it's because if you listen to their a bit of their first record and his previous work he was on he was the vocalist on the first normal gene album yeah yeah um he's doing a lot more kind of like the like technical like um Tech, real technique screen yeah, on that. Yeah. And then I think it was a it was a calculated move to when the chariot started, he wanted it to be like more raw and more kind of real. Yeah. Um so you listen to him screaming and you can hear like there's um there's a, there's a song called The City, which is on one of the greatest albums ever made, Long Live. Mm-hmm. Um where the middle section in that is obviously all one take and you can hear him fuck up some of the words because he's out of breath Yeah, and you can hear him breathing. Like you can tell he's got the microphone right here against his mouth the whole time. Cause you can hear him going like <laughs> between sections and shit. And he gets, yeah. he gets to the end, which is the end is like the big payoff where the lyrics in that section are fucking unreal as well. Like superhuman. Um, but he gets to the big payoff at the end and because he's so fucking knackered he can like like... barely do it like he like skims over like the last couple words of the most important bit and like that bit fucking blows my mind um almost means more then i guess like you said you listen to the pure passion of someone recording it their their peak then yeah yeah like and that that just makes you lose yourself in it like so much more rather than I don't know. I can't I can't really lose myself in something that sounds fucking perfect, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um 
I bet you, you can enjoy it, but I know what you mean by losing yourself in something where you just, yeah, it's just you and the music then. Yeah, there's a different enjoyment to it, I think. And uh, I think the imperfections make you come back to something a lot more. Yeah. As well. When, when something's so gridded and, um, and kind of, well, most of it might as well just be like one bar copied and pasted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that doesn't make me want to listen to it a lot. Yeah, like, there's, a, there's an art to that in, in making people want to, because uh, like Meshuggah, I guess, would, would fall slightly into that where it is potentially one or two bars copy and pasted. And the whole point mm. of that is to draw you in to go, where is it going next? Not, oh, I know this is going to just do this for, for this period of time. I think the point of that is that the bars completely cross over with, yeah, with each like other. Yeah, like the polyrhythms <laughs> and stuff on that are yeah. just insane. Like, um, but yeah, I, I guess that is, again, the whole art side to it, I guess. There, hmm. there are people who write music, people who listen to music just to put it on the radio to make a bit of cash, fine, happy days. And then you get the people that just go, we need to do something. Like you said, you do something, how do we do it differently every time? It may be hmm. like it might be the same guitar tone that you've, that someone's created on like such as sorrow by pink floyd that you slashed me on twitter for um but for example that guitar tone may have existed beforehand but it was done completely differently and done in a you know a, a different way and that's what makes it interesting to people but is it like, sad, is it sad that i don't like pink floyd but i know no, what it, pedal he used on that <laughs> well see actually i'd like you to let me know so i can get it because uh, it's called the boss digital metalizer I'm going to have to get myself one of those because it's, I, I think that's the best guitar tone of all time. But then again, but, but it is going into, it's like one of the most expensive guitars ever. Well, going okay. I'm not going to be able to do that. Like, ever. come on, man. I'm shoot my dreams down instantly. <laughs> but um, you can get the pedal. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll start saving. I'll, when I, when do I retire? Well, I'm 30. Never. Um, yeah. I mean, what more can you say about the chariot? I guess for you, is it, is it something that you and do you, do you and Damien sit down and just go? Today's a chariot day. We're going to talk about the chariot and listen to the chariot. Or we talk about it, we talk about a lot. Just there, there are like. I think Damien's quite similar in the way that he doesn't listen to like, uh, especially I've already said it, but especially in heavy music, you tend to get fixated on a cool part that someone will come up with, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I think me and Damien will listen to a song and be like, the entire idea behind the section of the song is mm. is like from another place, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's completely different to anything you've heard. And I think the Chariot do that a lot. Like Josh, um, the singer, is that he writes, he wrote most of it, mm. I believe. I think yeah. they were... They're, I, don't quote me on that. I think there were a lot of parts that the rest of the band wrote as well, but he wrote most of the kind of initial ideas of what they were going to do. And, like, there's a song... I forget what the, the actual name of the song is because their last album is, like, a sentence. Like, each song title is, like, a word from a sentence. Yeah. But I forget what the actual title of the song is, but there's a song that's like, starts off like a hardcore song and then out of nowhere goes into this, like... Um, it's like a spaghetti western um complete with like trumpets and stuff but with it screaming over the top and you think that that would sound like a joke section from (laughs) describing it yeah then you listen to it and you're like fuck it this is like like 
uber it's, thought out like it's like really fucking emotional somehow <laughs> like, <laughs> like, i just wanted to get angry for 20 minutes what the fuck's going on <laughs> yeah it's mad like i yeah i can't really um give that band enough praise and the the most excruciating thing about it is is uh josh hates talking about the chariot now <laughs> so i can't i can't even like have like a fucking three-hour podcast where someone fucking picks apart their, their records with them or anything yeah i just because uh, you just be like no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're like thanks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um let's move on from the cherry i'm just getting aware of uh we could talk forever and i'm loving this um but there's a band you said you wanted to leave to the end um Ooh. a band again i've i've listened to in passing due to other acts i listened to that i've been involved in this this band um but yeah i'll let you sort of take it away then for for the last act on the podcast the, the greatest the greatest band who's ever walked the earth okay um ocean, ocean size okay sorry i thought you were going to say abba that's <laughs> Going at you. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, they're my favourite band by a very long way of all time. I never tire of them, even though I, well, they've got quite a lot of material, but mm-hmm. not a huge amount of material. Yeah. And I still listen to them every other day, probably. You need to bump those numbers up, man. Those are rookie yeah. numbers. Well, they got really long songs. Yeah. So. <laughs> You've only got that, but you have to take a break in between. Is that, <laughs> where you get it? Is that where you get it from? Like... I have to listen to other bands I like as well. But... <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, is, is, that where, is that where you kind of, do you get that from? I mean, is writing long songs just in your blood or was it almost like a conscious decision? Because I, I guess you, you, you mentioned that about Ocean Size. Does it work for you? Is that what you mean? You can it's, put those ideas in. It's just it. really hard to not write a long song when you play it like fucking 40 BPM. That's, <laughs> that's literally what it is. So that's only three and a half minutes. That's all you need, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've tried to write short songs before and we've got to the second verse and we'll mm. be like, fucking hell, we're three minutes in, guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Bin it off. Get it to the end of a song. It'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, what's your what's your relationship with Ocean Size? Other than you saying they're your favourite band, did, was it like a you university thing? Did somebody introduce you to them? What's the uh, what's the vibe? Uh, I just said, what's the vibe? <laughs> <laughs> what's the vibe, Ash? At, at college, I was... Uh, I'd just come out of like... I don't know, I come from a small town in Somerset where nothing mm-hmm. that much happens and there isn't really a music scene or anything. And um, I'd just kind of gotten into, like, internet message boards and stuff. Yeah. So, like, I discovered that there was, like, more bands in the world than, like, Metallica and Green Day, you know? <laughs> um, but that was a magical day for you. <laughs> um, I, I remember... Mom, what's Napster? <laughs> I remember there was a record shop called Martian Records that was in the centre of Taunton. And um, I went in there one day asking for record recommendations, I think. And the guy who worked there gave me Thrice Artist in the Ambulance. Nice. Was it like um, the episode of the scene in High Fidelity? Yeah, but like... It's like the, it's playing but, over the stereo. But the guy was like had like flesh tunnels and shit, so it was like... <laughs> It was like deathcore high fidelity. Nice. But, um, <laughs> he, he gave me Thrice Artist in the Ambulance, uh, Deftones White Pony, mm-hmm. and At the Drive-In Relationship and Command. Amazing records. Yeah, like all, all of them are incredible. Um, and that kind of like 
just threw me off into this world where I was like, oh wait, like there are bands that I won't have that aren't like huge that are still amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think that that was like possible. Thing, you know? yeah, yeah. You, th- you think like, oh, if you're an amazing band and you're going to get signed by a massive label, you've got to be good, right? Every, everyone's everyone in the world will know about you. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's um, what you signed to a label. <laughs> <laughs> massive label. You should. Oh, you should see Small Ponds offices. It's just <laughs> cocaine everywhere. No, do you just like uh, share a coffee shop table? <laughs> or like, imagine the four of you. <laughs> Um, there's no cocaine yeah. involved guys no, no, just no, clear not. that up well, i might cut that bit out i might leave it in we'll see <laughs> we'll see how far i get back into editing this <laughs> anyway vlad <laughs> is al pacino um yeah so i got those three records and then discovered internet message boards at the same time and discovered like i was so i was talking i was talking about this um i like to ask people this question Sorry, I'm coming back at you like I'm doing. Okay, wow, now. right, I'm not ready for this. So I was talking about this on the Justin Insight podcast. Mm-hmm. But do you remember the first time that you discovered YouTube existed? Oh God, uh, yes, actually, and I think it was so I could watch. And this is really embarrassing. Oh, yes. Uh, what was the band called? There's a song called "Honest Mistake" by The Bravery. Oh no, that's a banger, mate. That's not yeah. embarrassing. Uh, but That's I remember seeing it once on the telly, you know, like Kerrang or flicking yeah. through or whatever, and uh, being like, oh, I really like that music video. And then being like, I wonder if it's on the internet. Uh, and being like, everything's on the internet. Yeah. Uh, and just like discovering that. And then, yeah, basically it's, just the same three songs. fucking such a revelation, wasn't it? I remember being like, I'd, so I was on like a wanky like Metallica fan club site for ages. Nice. Um, and someone posted this was this was like way post Saint Anger before they like did the comeback thing. Yeah, and everyone was like, "No, oh, so they've played a new song in a sound check in like fucking Croatia, and someone's recorded it on their phone." Like, yeah. and, someone, and you're like, "Give it to me," <laughs> and, and I was like, "What? You can watch that here and like click this link, and this site appeared." And I was watching. I was like, "This is amazing." Then the video ended. <laughs> And I was like, there's a search bar at the top. Can I just search any music video? And I like was like, oh my God, like <laughs> what genius came up with this? Um, but yeah, yeah. But, so um, you wait till you discover Amazon. <laughs> Do uh, not endorse Amazon, throwing that out there right now. <laughs> I think I said before Jeff Bezos is evil. So. Um I I I would say most people think that. Yeah. Probably it's including like a shit Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, he probably goes. I know. Like, I know how I know. evil they are. That's why I'm going to space. I'm going to Mars, though. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I'm very uh, jealous about that. But um, tangents. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd like discovered internet music, uh, like message boards, and discovered YouTube existed, and then kind of got into the kind of YouTube related video wormhole especially at the start because there was very few actual videos on there it would just be like a song with like the album artwork as the background yeah someone's found a way of putting it on there some genius back in 2004 or 5 I'd say is a fair maybe 2003 I think I probably came to it a bit later than that maybe Mm. 6 or 7 but um, but yeah kind of found that and 
I think I was on like an at the drive-in video and then I went through and I found this post-rock band called Caspian and I was like, this is mad, this just doesn't have any vocals and the guitars (laughs) just sound like, you know, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It sounds quite sad, quite like it. And then in the related videos was um, Unfamiliar by Ocean Size and I clicked on it and I was like, holy fucking shit, this is the best thing i've ever heard my life has changed like, like immediately as well which i've never normally with bands i really like i think i listen to them the first time hate it and then i find something really interesting about it and then come back to it Go back then, to it yeah yeah and then i normally get really into it and normally love it but they got me from like that that sounds quite immediate for them i think mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing to come in at that point but yeah they got me from like chord one nice um which was cut yeah that song's really grandiose and big and melodic and yeah there's big chords and big drums and big vocals mm. um i think most i think quite a lot of ocean size fans are like really into like how proggy and like technical it is mm. but i've always been kind of obsessed with and he's gonna fucking hate me for wanking him off here but um i've always been kind of obsessed with how mike pulls those vocal melodies out of his ass like over over the top of this music that's already amazing Mm -hmm. he like pulls these vocal melodies just fucking out of nowhere and they fit over like this shit that's like wild um (laughs) but yeah it was incredible and i they don't they don't have a single song in their entire back catalogue that i think is bad which is that sounds like the biggest fanboy shit in the world <laughs> that's the point in this mate yeah yeah that's the point in this like i mean i mean they got the four, there's four albums wasn't it between you know over quite a long period of time i guess if you're yeah. thinking more albums wise but for that i mean even even some bands that are out now that we could both be really big fans of there's always one or two tracks that i'm a bit like ah don't fancy listening to that it's not necessarily yeah. a bad a bad song but you're like mm. i want to listen to the next song like yeah, that yeah. you get i mean it says something when you love a music so much that you can't wait to not listen to a track so the next track is ready to go <laughs> into it and stuff. um but yeah i mean from from that band i know there was quite a quite an ending um to that band for one reason or another uh which i won't go into now see so people can can research that if they'd like to yeah not, it's, not a chance Rich. yeah it's, it's not it's not for me to to even start discussing this stuff but the bands that have sort of stemmed from that or been involved with that as well um again that's like i said i went the other way around i was listening to like usa nails and, and bands like that and okay yeah then came back to it and i know it's a weird thing i said that i, I listened to at the drive-in and then listened to the miles volta and i thought that was strange for people like no usually it's it is that way around but i was like fair enough but for me again I'd not even Ocean Size weren't even on my radar because I was kind of like cooped up in in you know maybe not the YouTube algorithm algorithm but like maybe <laughs> the related artists to my friends' band sort of thing and, and sure, yeah. then it comes up from there and I think I mentioned to you before the um, the first time I actually saw Mike was him playing guitar for Biff Clyro and mm. then going I recognise that guy from <laughs> somewhere. Uh, and seeing him like lose his shit when I was sat right at the back of a tight, like a huge arena somewhere, and watching this guy, the only one with his shirt on, uh, like, <laughs> playing playing Biffy Quiro tracks with him, and everything. Like I'd love to know how to chat with him and how, how that all sort of came about and stuff. But it kind of 
it kind of makes sense listening to Ocean Size and listening to some of the Biffy Clyro choruses and stuff. I know people have said it in the past, people shit on Biffy Clyro stuff, but you can't deny a big chorus. I bet he might have not something to do with the songwriting side too, but the sound side to that could come from from that. Without, without meaning to um, kill <laughs> everything that you just said, uh, he plays touring guitar for them, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he's not. Um, I, I know. I mean, like when you're actually listening to it, when you're actually oh, right, listening okay. to it, like, like that's what I mean. So, like, because there's there's only there's only three of them on stage, but then you've got a guy who's playing keys and then, then Mike playing guitar. But the sound itself, like you, but if you what I meant is if you pull him away from that, watch Biffy live. Yes, right, it'll yeah, still yeah. sound huge, but there's there's a level to it that I bet he brings that everyone else in the audience who might not know who he is doesn't really get it. Like they yeah. might not, you might not even notice him. Right, which I kind of, kind of guess is why he's there. Like, he's he's probably he's like he's probably <laughs> he, he's he's a very unsung shredder. Yeah. Like, I, if you've ever like, uh, there's his solo stuff, um, especially the first album that he yeah. put out solo, where he was he was like, apparently he was um, like guitar solos were banned in Ocean Size, which is <laughs> fair enough, I think, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but he was like, fuck it, I'm putting solos on this. And he just, like, shreds all over the record. It's fucking great. Um, but, it, like, insanely technical, like, Iron Maiden, but with, like, a million pedals. <laughs> it's really <laughs> just the one. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I hope if Mike listens to this, I didn't mean it, like, but I, I genuinely feel like he'll be more pissed off with me just going. No, he's just the touring guitarist. <laughs> trust me. I hope so. So it's asked me to pull this episode from Spotify. But I'll yeah, be like a it's... phone call, like <laughs> <laughs> just as long as he's not calling you now, he doesn't know that you're running. So that's okay. But yeah, like that that sound that um, bands like Biffy need, I guess, in the background because they're writing big choruses. They've got you know twenty people at Sony helping to write songs. I know Simon might do his bit or whatever, but then you take it live. Live, live is probably where it means most to you and me. Music. I would say um, a little bit of umbrage with that. Um, Simon definitely writes everything for Biffy Clyro. Oh, uh, I see. I, I feel 100%. like he takes loads of stuff into into a room, and then a man with with glasses and a shirt and tie goes, "Oh, I don't like that riff." Oh, the kids can't sing those, but again, I'm completely outside of it. And I'm now I'm doing the thing where I'm shitting on Biffy Clyro and I yeah, really yeah. like Biffy Clyro. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I stand corrected. Mike will definitely be the most annoyed about this part. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. I'll just cut the whole Biffy Clyro thing out of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess listen to some of the bands that have been sort of shot out from Ocean Size, I guess. Um, some of them also don't quite fit with it. If you know what I mean, like bands like Kong, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tom uh, Tom Hudson brought it to my attention. You listen to it, you listen to Ocean Size and you listen to Congo. They're not the same band. Like I, I know it doesn't always have to be, but there's almost bits that you go, how? Like, <laughs> did you ever have you ever seen any of their like interviews or anything? No, Tom was like, Tom was supposed to send me <laughs> oh a few, and, and and I was a bit like, I, I started getting into like the the research side of it, and like, oh, I, I don't know if I. I might need to stay away from this a little bit. Like, I, I, I've got to try and be impartial, it's, but at the same it time, is happy. So odd. <laughs> they they had a series of studio videos that they put up when they were making um, snake magnets, hmm. and they are so funny. I don't think they're on YouTube anymore, but um, yeah, they're great. The only thing that isn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think there was a lot of drugs involved in that band. <laughs> I think that might be a fair comment. I think no one can get sort of pissed off with that. But that was the thing that, that, that band would be pissed off with that yeah. statement. <laughs> I feel like that's what Tom was saying. He was like, they were so erratic and so, like, you couldn't put your finger on them at any point, anywhere in their career, if you want to call it that. Um, uh, feel free, anyone that's listening that knows different than this, but I'm pretty sure that they played 2000 Trees once and then got banned from ever playing 2000 Trees again. <laughs> we'll have to message James and see I if think James it, can confirm. I think it's something to do with Magpie, who's the lead singer, guitarist, um, pissing into the back of his valve amp um, <laughs> during the set when it was, like, really hot in there, obviously. You're trying and to call it. all of the piss evaporating and it making the whole tent stink of his piss. I think it's something to do with that. I think most people would get banned from anywhere for <laughs> even <laughs> contemplating along those lines there. But uh, we'll have to get someone. That would be the question. <laughs> this is the question of the week, guys. Uh, <laughs> how many times have Kong played 2000 Trees and why? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, so I hope you know what I mean where... Oceanside were a thing and then all the stuff that stemmed from it may not be indicative of that so mm. you can sort of go two ways with it you can listen to usa nails love usa nails the harshness of it and then not get ocean size but the other way around where you say you listen to you've got six seven eight minute long songs because that's that's prog right that's what our dad's like um and then you've got usa nails on the other side and you go i don't get that because it's too compressed i guess it's the same i keep bringing it back to to your music when you said that you're writing stuff where you don't necessarily subconsciously write something that's 12 minutes long. Mm. It's just 12 minutes long. Yeah. Right? And that, that, that's in you. And then when you write a, a four minute long song, you go, doesn't feel right. It sounds right. And it, it goes together. Right. But it doesn't feel right. Um, yeah. I suppose. I suppose. Um, do you reckon some of those other bands are sort of like them expelling that, that like our oh, seven, eight, nine minute long songs. And they're going, Nope, two and a half is fine. Let's do USA nails. Like, Maybe <laughs> from, from what I've heard from them, um, they, they just all liked completely different kinds of music. Mm. Like specifies comes together quite well. Yeah. I don't think they, any of them agreed on any bands that they liked. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's a good so, start. What music do you like? Yeah. Not the same as you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pick a band. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I just, I, yeah, it's such a weird, it's such a weird combination. And when you, none of their songs came about by like someone bringing ideas in. They were all like jams. <laughs> you imagine <laughs> just how fused into some weird. Can you imagine thing? how uncomfortable it would be? There must have been so many like arguments just being like that shit. <laughs> you know, fuck it. Stop that. Like, it can't, no, it can't, carry on doing that. <laughs> it blows my mind that they managed to release anything at all. But, um, yeah, an amazing band. And Gambler, speaking of the eclecticism mm -hmm. of all of the bands that they've gone on to be in, he releases like mad electronic, like glitch noise music. Like, <laughs> so it doesn't even fit within like the, the spectrum. You've got like yeah. Biffy Clyro. Um, mad in like mad harsh noise, glitch stuff, uh, like USA nails, and uh, and Steve, the bass player, was in Future of the Left for a bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he was either second bass player or something like that. Mm, yeah, there's so. another one of those bands that you have to check, get one of those, uh, like <laughs> lines which which member was in there, Andrew Falcons, <laughs> and then everybody else that's come on from there. <laughs> Um, but also, I just want to end just talking about Ocean Size. We were talking about 
goth rock and and you know genres that people have sort of stuck to it and my oh, yeah. favorite thing that came up a lot about ocean size is them being described as space rock space and rock. uh the only time i've i've read that elsewhere and you're gonna not like this is uh on Pink muse Floyd. oh on muse yeah Fucking... see there's an opinion there people are allowed to have think what you like about muse but space rock i kind of think puts used to put the the nail on the head i guess not so much anymore. But, for, yeah. for Muse? Yeah, like if you listen to like Absolution, no, like that space, to me is... Space rock is like, psych, it's like psychedelic, like... Or like Hawkwind. Like like Spaceman, Spaceman 3 or like... Um, See, this is now I'm just showing how little I know about music. You're uh, just call, calling me out on my own Sorry, podcast. I just, I just <laughs> called out like a wanky, like fucking... 80s indie Don't band. write a 17 minute long song. It's because it had space in the name. And it just first one that came to my head. Um, no, like space rocks. Like when when I think of space rock, I don't think of just like rock that's about space. <laughs> that's my, be, but that was my my sort of thing. Like that's how I got it. Like I suppose Doom Rock. It's rock about Doom, right? <laughs> like the video game. <laughs> to be fair, all stone rock is about getting stones. So. There you go. Thank you very much. I feel vindicated. <laughs> um. Let's just move on quickly to to a bit of the podcast I like to talk about when we talk about music venues because being a musician yourself and having worked in a music venue, music venues are quite important if uh, you don't mind me saying. Yes. Um, and those of you who listened to the very beginning of this podcast where I glue me doing a speech that the Music Venue Trust sent me that I was more than happy to read. Um, if you can support it, please do because music venues need you now more than ever. You, Ash, I'm talking to you yeah. directly here. <laughs> specifically me just you yeah if you you can save us um yeah you, you gave me a list a uh, list of a couple of bands uh bands venues um which one of them was a venue i've actually played before which was quite nice to uh was it the stag it was the stokes croft uh, oh the croft yeah, yeah yeah um because we played i played there twice and it was exactly exactly how you wrote it down um <laughs> You know, sometimes when someone like tells you something, you just go, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I read it and went, absolutely, that is 100%. Am I allowed to quote you on, yeah, on what yeah, you put? Yeah. You put, it's an old Bristol institution, disgusting toilets, shit bar, Sandman used to smoke inside during sound checks, the absolute best. <laughs> and if that's oh, not yeah. a Google review, I don't know what is. But yeah, um, um, the Croft was a fantastic venue. I remember turning up... Uh, to play there turn up about three o'clock so we were driving down from Birmingham and we were like we don't know how long it takes to get to Bristol I've never been to Bristol before uh, it turns out it takes no time at all uh, I had an amazing pizza in a place about 10 doors down from there and then yeah when we finally went in there is exactly what you described it as and amazing, that right? is probably, for us is the venues we want right probably opened up late as well you probably had to wait outside for ages for I think to it was up. six o'clock when we got in something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and we played with uh, <laughs> you, you were talking earlier on about sort of 80s hair metal bands um, yes. we'd done like a gig swap with uh, some music colleges that were knocking around in, in the uk and uh, we had one band come up and we went down and played with them but we didn't know who they were like the college was like this band are going to come play with you you can put them a show on and then oh, no. and I was like, and we were like we were like class because we want to introduce whoever this band is regardless of what they are mm. what type of music they are we want to introduce them to our music soon and we really want to go and meet meet their fans and their friends and, and go from there and, and uh, give them all the credit in the world i'll describe them to you in a moment but Fantastic. the place was packed that everything else like you said was the same the toilets were horrible the bar was shit but i had a fantastic time and they were for all intents and purposes like 
picture Steel Panther. Right. Amazing. Yeah. But without being Steel Panther and genuinely good. So okay. they played all the best hair metal you could possibly imagine. They were all wearing like fluorescent pink leggings and they wow. all had crazy wigs on and stuff. And it was honestly one of the most fun shows I've ever been to because everyone did the whole thing. There were people who come to see our silly little like wannabe hardcore band and then playing with these guys and everyone dug the whole thing in the community in there. I think this might be a Bristol thing. So you can probably like confirm that for me that the community there felt really, really good to be a part of. Like whether you were in the bar, out the front on the street, if you were in the venue, if you're chatting to the sound engineer, everyone had this amazing sense of community about them. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something <laughs> there's there's something to be said about like uh, Bristol being able to find the good in things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not particularly good at it, but um, yeah, you can you can go see the shittest ska band in the world and. People in Bristol will be going fucking nuts having the best for time it. ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About, I told you the other time I accidentally went to see Sponge in Birmingham. Oh no, that was bad. <laughs> for those who can't see me, I was looking very forlorn there for a moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bristol obviously means a lot, a lot to you, and, and I hope I'm doing it some justice by by saying that about the the community level side to it. Because I know we mentioned the Gig Buddies thing earlier on, um, things like that really mean a hell of a lot to to gig goers and musicians as well because then you know if you're if you're a wannabe musician and you're not sure how to I say wannabe I mean that in like a I play guitar I want to be in a band I don't know how to do it where's the best place to do it Bristol is probably top of the list let's be honest um as much yeah, as I love Cardiff and I adore Cardiff you know Bristol really is that thing there's there's what seems to be 500 music venues at some point you know there's been venues all over the place and you've got bands coming out of there uh, even from just down the road, I get. I guess that like you can, you can look up to, and you can go and work in a bar with a musician, such as yourself, when you work <laughs> at the Ruin, and and it, and it, that that sort of stuff matters, and that gets people into, into the scene. Um, talk to me about the Stag and Hounds because that was a venue I missed out on going to. Um, I really wanted to go to the New Year's Eve party they did with Falls, and I think McCluskey did it as well. That was our second ever show. Oh, see, I was going to go down with the guys. I've been doing a lot of merch with the guys in Falls. Right, I've been yeah. doing Focus Wales and a couple of other shows. Um, and Martin was like, come to Bristol for New Year's Eve. And I was like, I think it's when I was working in a bar in Cardiff. I'm like, I am not going to get New Year's Eve off. Like, let's be completely <laughs> honest, Martin. I'd this lose like my job. And, or something. Yeah, it's like I'd lose yeah. my job. You know, I wouldn't be able to pay my rent. And then I'd never go to a New Year's Eve party ever again. Um <laughs> But yeah, the 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 photos. I've never had FOMO more than seeing the photographs after that show. To be completely honest with you, uh, but yeah, talk to me about the Stag and Hounds and, and your sort of relationship with them. That that was the one where they crowd surfed on the chairs. Wasn't yeah, it? it's yeah. a. I think it's full profile picture at the moment because I think I was yeah. chatting to Martin about it. And he's like, I miss that. He goes, What I don't miss is the sciatica, but like I really do miss <laughs> that side to it. And they're a band that if I I fucking love and I miss like. They're one of my favourite bands ever, and I miss them a hell of a lot. But yeah, talk, sorry, I go, I digress. Talk to me about the Stag. Uh, so the Stag. Um, so uh, speaking to you now, I've just recently finished working at the Mother's Room, which is quite sad. Yeah. Um, but I have a child, and getting home at four a.m. and getting home at six a.m. Not ideal. Is, uh, is not good for your health. Yes. <laughs> so, um, That's a public service announcement, guys. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Listen up, kids. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I used to work at the Mother's Ruin and the guys that own and run the Mother's Ruin also owned and ran the Stag and Hounds for five years, I think, four or five. Um, and I worked there for a little bit. Uh, we switched around venues quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's essentially like there's a little room upstairs that's like one of the oldest original rooms in Bristol, I think. It's from like right. the 13th century or something. Nice. Um, but it's like this grade one listed building <laughs> that they somehow <laughs> managed to turn into this like, in, it's just like a pub. It looks like, it, it looks like it's come straight out of, like, 1978 inside. <laughs> nothing's changed. Yeah, nothing's changed. Like, the bar's exactly the same, the same carpet, everything. Everything's fucking so broken in there. Um, yeah, nothing nothing worked properly. And it was always fucking rammed. Like, always rammed. Um, yeah, it was just amazing. And the little scene that kind of cultivated around there, um was great like we wouldn't be a band now without that pub existing that was where we played like our first five shows i think um at the stag so yeah it means quite a lot to us um saint pierre used to so paddy who plays guitar in saint pierre yeah is is one of the uh one of the owners of the ruin and formerly the stag yeah they used to have this fucking terrible we practiced in there a couple times but they used to have this room downstairs that's like um maybe like two meters by two meters <laughs> and that was the saint pierre practice room where like nice. all five of them <laughs> fucking horrible and it was in the like pub cellar as well yeah so it was always soaking wet and wet like, and oh, cold always and so cold <laughs> oh my god um yeah just like an incredible like weird fucking venue and then eventually they put a stage that's inverted commas for listeners <laughs> a stage upstairs in the room that's like the oldest room <laughs> with like the worst pa you can imagine and people just used to fucking go nuts in there it was like yeah it's great so and that room was always so loud as well because it's just all like stone walls. Oh, so it just bounces the hell off <laughs> <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> you get like a crash symbol in there, and it feels like you're being kicked in the head. Nice. That's what we yeah, all want, right? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, like, I just want to go back to a point that you said that without that venue, that this can go for a lot of venues around the UK and a lot of bands, but without that venue, there would be no Sugar Horse. There would be no, there would be no Idols. There would be no St. Pierre's Snake Invasion. There would be no, like, these bands that we love and we, we, we cherish that, you know. I mean, nowadays, you people meet in pubs and form bands and, you know, I don't think it's given enough of... The, working uh, at the Stag is where I met Dev, hmm. who's the bass player in Idols and who's one of my best friends. I met him for the first time working there. I met Damien for the first time working there. That's a shame. Like, yeah, that is a shame, isn't it? They're both shames, really. But, um, yeah, it's, it was just... It's, it's a place that created so much for me. It holds a special place in my heart. I think on that point, because that's really lovely, 
and I keep going off on horrible tangents. I'm, I'm, I think we're going to leave it there because uh, <laughs> either, either you or me are going are gonna to shed a tear. Um, I, I do mean it when everyone listening, if you can support your local venues, no matter how you can do it, please do. Whether it's just even just down to sharing a social media post. Um, I know that seems like such an innocuously pointless thing to do, but it, if it can shine a light on something, you're doing the right thing because I know money's tight right now for everyone in whatever situation you're in. So you kind of say, go out and spend £5.80 on a pint of lager anymore. Um, but if you can, get out and do it. And also, buy the Sugar Horse album, which is out on the 27th of August. <laughs> yeah, see that? <laughs> Good see that? See that? That's you able to hear that paper in the background there? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's an ASMR podcast. Um, Ash, thank you so, so much for this, man. I've had a really, really good time. Thank you, Rich. Sorry yeah. that we talked for about four hours. That's totally <laughs> fine. We'll, uh, we'll edit out the bit where you went for a wee in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, as always, I'm going to go and eat my dinner at 5 oh to 11 God. at night. I'm so sorry. It's not your fault. It's my own fault. It's just who I am as a human being. But yeah, good luck with the record. Good luck with everything, basically. Uh, good luck with your new job. And I hope uh, that is bringing you everything that you need. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great one.